Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Divine Your Life podcast. My mission in this podcast, in this life, in my job is to help align the mind and body with deep healing so you can access your truth and your power and divine your life. I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, please share, like, comment, review all the things. I appreciate you so much. And let's dive right in. Divine Your Life fam. If you're listening to this episode, episode two, it's probably because you are family. (laughs) It takes a minute to build up an audience. So hello, friends and family. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in. (sighs) I'm just sitting in my cute little fishbowl of a condo in Denver, Colorado, and it's pouring outside. And I felt inspired. I felt called. I felt ready to start episode number two, and I sat with myself and allowed some messages to channel through, and the one that is prominent, the one that I've been thinking about most lately, the one that I've been listening to topics on and about is how to regulate our nervous system, and more importantly, how to regulate our nervous systems in a triggered state. I think it's a lot easier to track our system in a ventral, peaceful, relaxed state, right? It's a lot harder in a triggered or heightened state to tap in and be reasonable, rational, right? We have to increase our capacity for healing in those spaces because sometimes in a triggered state, we want to cut off the emotion and energy to the body and put it all into our head, which is dangerous. And we end up numbing, running, pushing, hiding. And that's why we have to learn how to regulate in those moments, right? Because when we're living in our head and our head is consuming us and the stories of all the things are consuming us, the mind takes over. That's where irrationality, fear, all those things live, right? We're in a sympathetic state. So in a heightened or triggered state, from my experience, When something happens that either takes me back to a moment where my protective parts want to just jump in and protect me and I get frustrated quickly or my state is altered at a rapid speed, I often will do the following. (sighs) I always start by scanning my body. I always start to notice the thoughts that are in my mind, right? At the point of resistance, when that overwhelm builds and when that thing happens, right? Notice the thoughts that are in our head and try to identify, like, try to see them so clearly. Are they circling? Are they linear, repetitive, loud, quiet? What are the thoughts as they swarm in? Sometimes it can be overwhelming, but they all come in at once, right? In that moment, what are your thoughts? How loud are they? Where are they coming from? Are they passing through? Can you notice what's alive from an observational standpoint? And you'll get so good at this, right? It's like anything in life. The moment you are triggered, you'll get so good at figuring out what your vantage point is. And by vantage point, I just mean where you see your thoughts from, right? So for me, after many months and months of practice of this, my vantage point is typically from my heart space. Like I can see my thoughts passing through from my heart space, but from others, it's 
their third eye. Sometimes it's from a bird's eye view. It can be whatever works for you, right? And you'll start to notice this. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then hang in and hang tight because that's why we're here to learn together. And doing this, seeing your thoughts for what they are, not who you are, releases some grip around the thoughts, right? It releases some force, some need to try to figure everything out. And it brings down your heightened state to see the thoughts for, again, what they are and not what you are, right? But doing this requires you to also identify where your intuition lives. If we don't know from what space we can clearly see our thoughts and bring ourselves out of this chaotic moment, mindful moment, trying to figure everything out when our body really has the answer and we don't have to go down that state. From there, you can super slowly and intentionally turn the attention then to your breath. So first we're triggered, right? Something happens and we think, of course, this is happening to me, the traffic jam. But the big things too, right? The spouse that makes you mad, the friend that says the wrong thing and re-triggers you and brings you back to a moment in childhood when your other friend did that, right? That's all we are is we're just searching through our files and memory to see where and what we know about a situation and then we add a charge to it. If everything's neutral but we add a charge to it, then it's our responsibility to A, identify the charge, B, learn how to navigate the charge, and C, diminish the charge when it's negative and when it consumes us. I used this example the other day and it's really bad, but it's the only thing that's coming to my brain right at this moment. If there's a bicycle on the street and you and I are walking and I see the bicycle, but my childhood bicycles, I fell off really hard and hit my head and never got back on. That bicycle, I have no interest. I'm like, oh, bikes are scary hard. I have no interest. But to you, you're like, what? Biking was my favorite thing as a kid. It was my favorite sport. I felt free. I did it with all my friends. That bike is neutral. That bike is sitting there tied to the pole. I've added my charge. You've added your charge, right? When we start to view things in that aspect and we see our thoughts for what they are, which is just thoughts, then it releases the charge. So we're triggered. We note the charge and then we begin to observe our thoughts. Rather than identify with them, we just simply get to observe them. And by observing them, We release their power. We see them for what they are. And then from there, we can start to intentionally turn our attention to our breath. And our mind will want to bounce back to the chaos and everything, right, that it wants to deal with. Don't let it. This is where you learn to take back control of your mind. Stay focused. Go to your breath. Observe it. You can even manipulate it, right? Slow it down. Speed it up. Start to breathe at your desired pace. Start to take back control over your mind. Bring awareness into your body. And from there, you navigate from a ventral space, right? Rather than this flighty, unreliable headspace. I do this in all my podcasts. (laughs) This is number two. But let's take three deep breaths together. I don't care where you are. If you're in public, do it because it might, someone might see you do it and then they might take a deep breath and then you're the ripple effect for calming down their nervous system. So just do it, okay? Ready?
one more. I'm really just trying to kill time. I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, three deep breaths. Just notice how breathing can shift your current state. Even if you're listening to this in the bath and you're calm, you're in traffic and you're pissed off, heightened, frantic, present, it doesn't matter. It brings more awareness to your body. And see if you can feel into that connected, connectedness and spaciousness. Open with discernment. This is the path to liberation, to personal freedom, to heightened consciousness, better awareness. Isn't it a more potent and clear space for you to function from this place than the chaos of your headspace, right? I'd so much rather work from the openness of my heart space. And you get to do this in your way and what feels good to you. Try that the next time you're triggered. Observe your thought. Bring attention to the breath. And take back control. Don't let your mind do the whole thing. It doesn't have to. Okay, the second thing that I wanted to talk about is how to incorporate more play. <laughs> I, one of my best friends, Kelsey Flanagan, used to ask me what her, or excuse me, what my values were. And back before I was super connected to myself, I was like, I don't know, money, happiness, God, right? Just like answered. She was much more intentional when I asked her. <laughs> She's like, connection, embodiment, play. Shout out, Kelsey. Freaking love you. And I remember questioning her, like, play? What kind of value is play? Her answer changed my life. But before I get there, I want to read this quick little note from a book. It's called Boy's Life by Robert McCannon. It is so good. And I just want to share this with you because it resonated so much with me. And then we can dive into it a little bit. And it goes a little something like this. See, this is my opinion. We all start out knowing magic. We are born with whirlwinds, forest fires, and comets inside us. We are born able to sing to birds and read the clouds and see our destiny in grains of sand. But then we get the magic educated right out of our souls. We get it churched out, spanked out, washed out, and combed out. We get put on the straight and narrow and told to be responsible, told to act our age, told to grow up for God's sake. And you know why we were told that? Because the people doing the telling were afraid of our wildness and youth, and because the magic we knew made them ashamed and sad of what they'd allowed to wither in themselves. After you go so far away from it, though, you can't really get it back. You can have seconds of it, just seconds of knowing and remembering. When people get weepy at movies, it's because in that dark theater, the golden pool of magic is touched, just briefly. Then they come out into the hard sun of logic and reason again, and it dries up, and they're left feeling a little heart sad and not knowing why. When a song stirs a memory, when motes of dust turning into a shaft of light takes your attention from the world, when you listen to a train passing on a track at night in the distance and wonder where it might be going, you step beyond who you are and where you are. For the briefest of instance, you have stepped into the magic realm. That's what I believe. I love that so much for so many reasons, but I feel like it's so true. I feel like the magic within us is taught out of us at some point. And we all are just longing and searching for something that lights us up, right? In some form or capacity, we're always on the go, trying to find fulfillment. It's in this job, it's in that person, it's in this journey, it's at that goal. 
And we forget that this life is a humongous playground. We'll never get there. We just get to ride the wave the whole way. I love to play. Think about the last time that you like went to a park and did a cartwheel or anything involving just being outside of your head and in your body and goofy. (laughs) How easy was that? That was like the easiest thing, right? To play and laugh. That's like takes no effort and it's all liberation and fun. So I ask you right now, in what areas of your life can you begin to play? In what areas of your life are you not showing up 100% authentically you because you're scared that people won't accept you if you act that way? That people won't love you, that there won't be a spot at the table if you're too goofy, too out there, too whatever? Please be that. Please be too freaking much. I love you in your too muchness. I love you in your goofiness. I love you in your authenticness. I love you in every way. So show up that way. Play. (sighs) That's all for now, folks. Thanks for spending some time with me. Next week, I'll have a guest on. It'll change things up a bit. And I still want to hear about all the things that you want to hear in this podcast, any questions you have as we just navigate these murky waters of the beginning stages of launch. Have the best day, the best week, and as always, divine your life.